You're listening to Wonder Lake Bible Church, building mature followers of Jesus Christ. Find us online at wlbiblechurch.org. Now, a message from one of our missionaries. Well, we are honored to have with us here today Don Foster. Uh, Don is a fellow Moody grad, and so I hear that's a pretty good school. I've heard a few things about it, so... But uh, anyway, we are delighted to have him here along with his son, Jeremy, daughter, Amanda, and Jeremy's wife, Amanda. And uh, as you know, Don's wife, Bea, is uh, Don and Bea have been in France, uh, numbering, ministering there for many years now. And it's, uh, it's a challenging mission field that they have there. And so would you uh, continue to pray for them? And I would say, I think probably is something they would really appreciate prayer for. Besides just the, the provisions that are needed, I think that most important provision they need is for good Christian fellowship. It's tough there. And so would you pray for that then for them? But we are delighted to have Don here to speak with us today. Again, you will have an opportunity at the end of the service if you would like to contribute to their Ukrainian refugee project. You will have that opportunity as well then. But uh, I think the best way to introduce Don and Bea and the ministry that they have is to watch this video that they have prepared for us. How do you explain a calling? A calling comes from God. And we'll be here until we're called someplace else. We're here because we're called to be here. Bonjour. (laughs) So my name is Beatrice Foster. Everybody calls me Bea here. Uh, I'm Don, and I came here in 1989. The first time I came was in 82, actually, on a a short-term mission. And I, uh, actually it was by mistake, I thought I was going to go to the north of Paris and I ended up in the north of France. Beatrice and I met each other in 85, she remembers meeting me in 86. <laughs> <laughs> we started dating in 89, we started dating and we got married in 1990. And Oh, we're in Asbuk, Asbuk, France, which is halfway between Lille and Dunkirk, which most of you don't know where those two are either, but uh, it's actually in the, we're right on the Belgian border and very close to the uh, English Channel. Uh, we've been working here for a long time now, and um, we always had a hard to have people in our home and make them feel at home and feel comfortable here. And uh, recently, with all the um, things happening in the world, we uh, decided to open our home to other people who really needed it. Yeah, and what our, my heart's desire is to serve France and uh, to serve the Lord by uh, reaching out to French people. I've, I have French people on my heart, and we try to reach French people in the ways that are most meaningful to them. And so what I really believe God called us to do was to each one of us work part-time so that people could at least understand who we are. Uh, For them, they know that we are believers, that we are very strong in what we believe and involved in evangelism and things like that. But at the same time, for them, it was important that they understood that, for example, I'm an English teacher. They as a nurse. 
and that gives us credibility for what we're doing. And when we are doing things for people, that gives them a message credibility that, uh, uh, to the people around us. The French culture is such that uh, when they had the French Revolution in the late uh, 18th century, uh, the French monarchy was very much linked to the church. So when people got angry with the monarchy, they also got angry with the church. They don't believe in religion. They don't believe uh, in anything about faith unless uh, works go with faith, unless you show them that you live what you believe. That's one of the reasons why we have always wanted to share our home with other people. And I think that's why God called me to the north of France, because it's really a way to reach the people in the north of France. Sharing our home has meant many different things. We have had, as a ministry, unwed mothers here who they were so broken that they were not able to integrate a, what is a normal shelter and so uh, they came to our home uh, to live and in fact our children were raised in that situation. We had heroin addicts, psychotic women, alcoholic women, we had every every kind. We did that for 10 years and then that became difficult for physical reasons. Then you we used bed and breakfast for several years because that was also a way we could share our faith. We have a chapel here that we has been here for now two, three years, uh, and that's opened up opportunities to talk about Christ and to, to share Christ with other people. And now we're, we are um, sharing our home with Ukrainians. Well, it's happened many, many times that people came that we, we didn't expect at all that they would ask the questions they asked and where we were able to share about Christ without, we didn't plan on that, we didn't expect to be able to with those people, but Especially in short periods, when they came just for a short yeah. period, yeah. Whether it's people in the bed and breakfast or any other people, it's really been amazing opportunities and um, this chapel <clears throat> has been also a great opportunity. People, even without, without us talking, they see the, the stained, glass, stained windows. glass windows. So they see there's a different building there that looks like a church, so they ask about it. And we, so when we show it to them, usually we explain the story behind it. And usually when they go in there, they are, I, I do believe they feel God's presence and that touches them even more than any word we could say. That's been amazing, it, and it, yeah, beyond what we expected. Really. We've been here in this farmhouse since 1998, so it's been a long time now. Since the beginning, we always saw the possibilities in the other outbuildings where we could build more, and uh, we didn't know for sure when or what. And recently, we really felt like we should. Um, built in one of the outbuildings so we could make small apartments in order to be able to accommodate more people. Things happen that we don't ever expect. For example, the Ukrainian war, we never would have imagined that that would bring people. In fact, uh, I don't know if you know the film Mr. Holland's Opus, but in that film he writes a song and he says, 
Life is something that happens when you're planning something totally different. And in fact, that's really true. It's, uh, God has uh, so many things in store that we would never imagine, and that's what's happened with us. Every, time, every step of the way we've been here, we don't know why things happen. We don't know why catastrophes happen. We don't know why bad things happen, but God always turns it into something for the better. Two weeks ago, we were able to um, welcome a family here, uh, four, um, and it's been really nice. They have, yeah, they have been a real blessing. They're really nice people, and we are in contact with uh, people at the border in Poland, in camps, who will, uh, who are currently organizing transportation so that we can welcome more guests in our house very soon. For now, we're telling we can keep up to 12 people. When the apartments are finished, we can take a few more. <laughs> I think people can pray for us because um, um, yeah, we do need prayers. We do feel alone sometimes. Of course, we do need prayers for the specific project that is coming up so that things can go smoothly, even getting all the authorization to be able to build on. And uh, also the financial part, people can pray and can give also. God has been good. We've yeah. received $35,000. We only need 80000 more. <laughs> so that's... <laughs> I, I remember when I was at Moody, uh, somebody saying, well, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. All I ask him is to sell a couple of those to give to us. <laughs> it's a building that we always plan to use. If there are other crises, we'll use it for that. If it's for retreats, we'll use it for that. It's something that we want to use for God's glory. What really was on our hearts from the time that we were taking in women was when James said, uh, that true religion is taking in widows and orphans. It's through His grace. It's through, uh, by grace are we saved through faith. But what is faith and what is grace if you don't get out it through tangible means? It's what we're trying to do for these people, and it's it's for God's glory. If we are on this earth to glorify God, we're not here for any other reason. Uh, thank you. Merci beaucoup. Et à bientôt. Bea apologizes that she was not able to come. Uh, she's sorry. She's kind of holding down the fort with a cousin of mine who's also doing work uh, on the property. She came over for three months to uh, do some work on the prof property. Uh, this video was made quite some time ago. Since then, uh, there have been a few changes, but basically you understand things. We did get one other family in. Uh, so we currently have uh, six people in the home and uh, wonderful people, wonderful, generous people, very much in need and uh, they're very thankful and uh, they help around the house. They are just, they're great. Thank you for your partnership with us. Bea sends her thanks as well. You have, we feel like we are an arm of the ministry 
of Wonder Lake because you have been with us, you've prayed for us, you get regular updates, and you keep in contact with us. We recently received a couple of bookmarks after your uh, 75th anniversary celebration. Uh, Things like that, little notes, uh, really help us to see that we are cared for and prayed for. Bea was born and raised in France before becoming a missionary in Amsterdam. Uh, Her sending church was the first church where I worked when I came to France. Uh, I came there in 82 before she was saved. Uh, Came back then twice in 85. I met her in 85. Once in 86. Once in 88. And then moved there in 89. And the video explained the rest of it. Uh, as also as mentioned in the video, I really believe that our only reason for being here is to glorify God. I believe that uh, Paul tells us that whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do all to the glory of God in a world which is more and more secular, more and more hostile to Christianity. Uh, glorifying God can bring hardship both from Christians as well as from uh, non-Christians. Sometimes uh, Christians don't understand the idea of being tent maker missionaries. Why should we give when you're working? Uh, and uh, sometimes uh, the un- non-believers uh, think, uh, what in the world uh, are you trying to tell people? Why are you telling people uh, that they need Christ? I mean, uh, you have people who, as long as they believe something strong, uh, it's enough. So God tells us to expect hardships. In Matthew 10, 16, uh, Jesus said to his disciples as he was sending them out, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as serpents and as innocent as doves. So he goes on in that scripture, uh, in uh, Matthew 10, to tell them that they will be persecuted by religious people as well as by pagans, but that he will give them the words to speak through his spirit. Uh, In the chapel on the property, one of the stained glass windows shows Jesus as the good shepherd, the good shepherd who knows his sheep, his sheep know him, And uh, it shows Jesus caring for his sheep, holding one of the uh, lambs around his neck, having the rest of the flock around him. And we often think of Jesus as being this good shepherd who protects us, who uh, cares for us, and who uh, would never let anything bad happen to us. But how could this same good shepherd send us amongst the Wolves. You wonder that sometimes when you look at this. But in fact, I think, uh, I, I, when I was thinking about this and meditating about this, I was remembering uh, raising my own kids. And I remember, uh, for example, Amanda, the first time that I allowed Amanda to write, it took me a long time. I mean, I'm a very protective dad. And it took me a long time to allow Amanda to ride the bicycle on the road in front of our house. I was scared to death. By the way, I'm not emotive here. It's because I had air blowing in my eyes. (laughs) 
but uh, Amanda was on the road. Uh, it took me a long time to let her go on the road. But little by little, uh, we thought, okay, we need to let our kids grow up. We need to let them, little by little, do things. First, we teach them how to ride a bike, and then we let them go further and further. Both Jeremy and Amanda, it took us a while, but we allowed them to take a train alone. Uh, to go to tr- uh, to go to Lille on a weekly basis to learn uh, their piano lessons. Lille's a city; uh, it's a metropolitan area of a million and a half. So, uh, well, we don't we didn't at that time have the same kind of dangers as you would have going sending kids into Chicago. But still, it was a big step for me. For me, Bea was much more philosophical about all this. I remember uh, leaving Amanda in front of her dormitory in the center of Paris. Uh, and she was 18 years old, scared me to death. And it was very, very difficult. And Jeremy as well. When I let him go, well, I let him. I mean, these kids were 18. What are you going to do? But uh, when Jeremy decided to go uh, to Wheaton Passage, and part of Wheaton Passage is a day where they are 24 hours alone in the woods in upper Wisconsin, nobody around them, and they, I mean, wild animals are around them and all that kind of thing, but we let our children grow up. And I think each step of the way, uh, Bea and I had tried to prepare Amanda th- and Jeremy through communication through biblical principles, through uh, having a closeness with God, we tried to prepare them for being uh, on their own. And I think that the Good Shepherd loves us enough to push us out into very difficult situations, sheep among the wolves, in order to make us more dependent on him. Because if we are not dependent on Christ, and if, we are, if he doesn't allow us to do things on our own, we will just let him leave us in a cocoon, we'll let him just uh, do everything for us, and we'll never grow. And I think that Christ is a good and loving shepherd in the sense that he allows us to grow. I think that, uh, now I've had people discuss this with me, but I think that evangelism is so that we can be closer to God. If Paul says, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God, I think evangelism is the same thing. We're not the ones saving these people. Jesus Christ is the one saving these people. And God sends us out so that we can become dependent on him. We can pray for these people. And uh, I I think it's just as much for our growth as it is for uh, trying to tell people about who Jesus Christ is. Uh, So like I said, as Christians, we can be hurt by others, uh, both by non-believers as well as believers. But what we have to do, what we must do, is remember that all that we do is to glorify God. Our only purpose 
on this earth is to glorify God. I mean, a lot of people talk about being a self-made man. A lot of people, uh, I, I can get so entangled. You know, I'm in a project now. I think you've heard us talk about this, the building project. And uh, it's so easy to have plans and to have a program and to uh, try to put things together. And I think that it's good to have plans. I think it's important to have plans. But I think that the most important thing is, number one, to remember that we're doing it to glorify God. And number two, we've got to remember that we're not the ones doing it. If, if God is not the one doing it, it will not stand. So, uh, afterwards, Jesus tells his people, uh, it tells his disciples that we need to be as shrewd as serpents and as innocent as doves. Now, some people think that Jesus is talking about this shrewdness of serpents because uh, serpents are uh, uh, wise. They can, they can avoid uh, getting into trouble. They can avoid conflict and danger. Uh, while, uh, and, and then they go on to say, uh, talk about the doves, being innocent and keeping themselves uh, uh, clear of uh, unstained. But I think that the shrewdness of serpents is not only that, because in the context here, Jesus is talking about going out and uh, talking to people. He's talking about going out and evangelizing, going out being amongst the wolves. I believe that perhaps, I mean, I'm not the big... I'm not the theologian that your pastor Dan is, but I believe that uh, when I, I believe that it could be that when he talks about being shrewd as serpents, maybe he's talking about uh, understanding the people to whom we are ministering. Uh, before leaving for the mission field, I studied a, cult- a cultural anthropology class and I, and I went through a counseling program both of them really changed my life. They taught me to listen. They taught me to... Now, my kids might not say that, but they, they taught me to listen carefully to people, to look and see what the culture is in which I am ministering. They taught me to be relevant. And I think that's what... I, I think sometimes we can get so uh, caught up, and I'm talking about myself here, so caught up in our own worldview and in our own mindset that we think everybody thinks like this and that we can just go up and talk to them about Christ and and they're going to understand it the way that we are trying to say it. And I think sometimes we have to hear what they are saying. We have to think about, uh, I'll never forget, I had Dr. Foose as a uh, as a homiletics no hermeneutics uh, uh, teacher and Dr. Foos, one of the things that he said always was he said, "Don't forget when you're going out and talking to these people, you may this may be the first time they've ever heard anything about the gospel." And he said, "You're telling somebody who might be forty fifty years old." that everything he's learned and everything he's studied and everything he's thought about is uh, foolishness, and you have the answers. And he said, uh, you really have to think about uh, how you talk to them and and what are they going to hear about what you say, but what are they saying? And how can you 
turn your message into something that's going to be relevant to them. And I think that's what it is, to be shrewd as a serpent. When we are on the mission field, I think that we have to be shrewd uh, and know what is going to be meaningful for the people. In my area, uh, for example, I, I chose not to be a church planter. Now, in the typical sense, that what I mean is, I'm not making a new church. But what is a church? I think I'm a church planner on the broader uh, explanation of what is a church planner. I work with local churches. I work with local Christians. And in fact, that's why we have the chapel. It's open to all the Christians of the area so we can have Bible studies, so that we can have uh, prayer meetings, so that we can have the possibility then of reaching out to other people by uh, praising the Lord, by praising the Lord together. Unity is what Jesus tells us, is going to, unity among real believers, is what is going to show uh, the unbelievers that we have something different. So I I do believe sometimes that uh, missions uh, strategy is changing. I think that, uh, again, to come back to knowing how to talk to the people. I'll never forget there was a uh, missionary that our my home church supported for many, many years. Uh, he was with Wycliffe Bible Translators. And he, he, he laughs about this. He laughed about it himself. He said, I went in. He said, when I went to the Philippines, he said, uh, I went and spoke to the people. And he goes, I thought, well, we've got to not only be translating the Bible, but we've got to really reach them in every way. And so he said, I thought, uh, I'm going to be the one to teach them how to cultivate because I noticed they weren't cultivating any crops or anything like that. So he said, I dug I, I showed him, I talked to them about it, and I planted. I showed him how to fertilize it. He goes, very generous people, very um, uh, respectful people. So he said, uh, of course, they, uh, they, they just smiled and they thanked me and everything. He said, my crops failed miserably. And he said, when growing season came, they went and planted they fertilized, and they got a crop in. <laughs> he forgot they were in the southern hemisphere. And so, uh, and, and so this is where, and so he, uh, again, he, he's an anthropologist, so of course he laughed about it. And he said, we really forget sometimes that we don't have all the answers immediately. We, we have the true and main answer that needs to be spread, the, the uh, answer for the uh, the main need of men, but maybe if we want them to hear that, we have to also speak their language. Uh, voilà. So, yeah, voilà. When I when I met Renee, I thought I was going to have to speak to her in French. So, uh, as uh, in our area, people listen to us because we are caring for widows and orphans. And they do listen to us. We have our neighbors who ask for prayer. We have people who... But it's always discreetly. It's always uh, on a... uh, They know who we are and they know why we are there. As Proverbs 31 states, we have always focused on speaking for those who cannot speak for themselves, defending the rights for the poor and the needy. 
And uh, all of this comes back, in my opinion, to uh, whatever we do, we must do everything to the glory of God. This is what uh, we are here on earth for. I'm a little short. I'm sorry about that. I don't know if there are any questions about our ministry or if anybody would like to know more about what we are doing in the north of France. Or what we've done. When I got there, I was uh, I was a youth minister. Stayed there two years as a youth minister, and then I taught English, and sta- was also a youth minister. And then uh, that's when I went back. Then we, uh, with my wife, we housed uh, unwed mothers for ten years. In fact, most of you know Bea went through a serious illness. And uh, most of you who were here uh, at the time that we were there, uh, she went through a serious illness. We continued, uh, but then after a while, we really couldn't do that anymore. But we then used the bed and breakfast, and then now we are working with the Ukrainians. So, you know, I was thinking as you were talking there, and of course, the worst thing you can do is give a microphone to a pastor, right? No. But, uh, <laughs> Actually, you know, I was thinking is just how much I appreciate the body of Christ and the variety uh, and the variety of personalities, the variety of ministries that he has given. I was thinking just a moment ago, you mentioned Dr. Foose. Uh, Dr. Foose, he was a professor of Bible theology at Moody Bible Institute, and I had him. And remember, he was the dreaded yes. Dr. Foose, yes. right? He was the dreaded Dr. Foose. Why? Because... He was tough, you know. He he did he did not uh, put up with theological fools, did mm, he? Mm. You know, and uh, and so a lot of a lot of students were kind of afraid of him and avoid. I loved him. I loved the fact that he was tough. I loved the fact that he would make you think and that he wouldn't let you get away with sloppy sloppy thinking. And that because I, I learned a lot from him. But here's the thing: I love that story that you told though about that because I saw a side of him mm. then that maybe a lot of students didn't see. And that was like, yes, he was tough. And, and you, you know, he didn't have time for sloppy thinking or anything like that. But boy, did he have a heart for Christ. And did he have a heart for God's people. And I saw that then when um, I, my father passed away very suddenly uh, when I was a student at Moody. And it was... At, at, at that point, I know there was a big project that was due that I had for Dr. Foose's class, big project that was due and an exam coming up. And I was really kind of having a hard time trying to get, get it together, you know, for that. And I went and talked to him. And uh, he was so kind and so understanding. He said, you turn in the project when you're done with it. Don't worry about it. And we'll reschedule the exam. And, and he prayed for me. And I thought, like, wow, here's the dreaded Dr. Foose, you know, who is praying for me and extending understanding here in this. And I think a lot of people just didn't see that or see that side of him. I mean, you think about how beautiful, really, the body of Christ is when it's working together. And so I was just, as I was thinking about it, thinking about what you and Bea do, what you do there, how wonderful that is, and the, the, the way that you are ministering in that context and being shrewd in that context there. It's really, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to see 
And, and we are so uh, happy to be able to be a part of that and to, to partner with you, you know, in limited fashion, you know, with what we can here, but to be a part of that and ministering with you. So we want to thank you for giving us that opportunity then to do that. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information about Wonder Lake Bible Church, visit wlbiblechurch.org.